So it turns out that people pray more during a pandemic. That's the finding of a recent study carried out in Denmark. How do you know how much people are praying? Well, of course, you don't really. But Google search data says a lot. And that's what the researchers looked at. According to this study, Google searches for prayer went up more than 50% between February and March of 2020. It was the highest level of interest in this topic yet recorded. As WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic, people with a wide variety of religious backgrounds, or none at all, searched for resources to help them pray. The increase was there in countries all over the world, even in the most secular regions of Northern Europe. There's no big surprise here, right? In a time of great uncertainty and upheaval, prayer is something people turn to, even people who wouldn't describe themselves as particularly religious. There's a longing deep inside us for connection to something greater than ourselves, for a deeper grounding, for something to do with our anxious spirits. But how do we do it? The Bible has lots of lessons on prayer, of course. The Psalms give example after example of searching honest language for talking to God. Lord, teach us to pray, say Jesus' disciples in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus responds by teaching them what we, of course, know as the Lord's Prayer. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells his followers to pray behind closed doors where God sees, rather than out in the open where others see. There's no shortage of examples of prayers in the Bible, and even practical advice on how to do it. But Paul's lesson on prayer in our reading from Romans 8 today begins in a rather different way. We don't know how to do this, he says. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. I don't know about you, but I find Paul's language here refreshing this morning. It's a reminder that I'm not the only one who sometimes feels lost or inept when it comes to praying, and that maybe being a little clueless isn't actually a bad thing, but just an honest admission that prayer is mysterious territory. After all, even Paul can include himself in that great big unknowing we. We do not know how to pray as we ought. I like the honesty of that statement, but what does Paul mean there? What does he mean when he says we don't really know how to do this? Well, maybe Paul means that sometimes at least we aren't sure of the right things to ask for. In the passage that comes just before this reading, earlier in Romans 8, Paul paints this very noisy picture of the world. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, he says. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. There is groaning all around, Paul says, a world aching for freedom and for release, longing for something new to be born. It's all around us and it's inside us as well. You don't have to listen very carefully to hear some of those groans around us today. There's the ongoing upheaval of the pandemic, the loss of lives and routines and plans, 
the profound uncertainty that still hangs over us like a thick cloud. There are the cries for justice coming from individuals and communities who continue to be harmed by systemic racism and discrimination. There are the cries of the earth and its creatures struggling under human use and misuse. There are the cries of friends and loved ones suffering from grief or illness, loneliness or fear. The groans are everywhere and it can be hard to know how to pray in the middle of it all. Have you felt that way sometimes these past months? I know that I have. What words can we use to hold so much need, so much pain, so much longing? What petitions can do justice to those groans around and within? What are we even to ask for? We do not know how to pray as we ought. So maybe that's what Paul means by that statement, that we don't know how to ask, what to ask for with the overwhelming need we see and hear around us. Or maybe he means that we've been imagining this prayer business in the wrong way. There's a pretty natural tendency, after all, to think of God as a distant heavenly being and of our prayers as sort of shots in the dark that we hope will wing their way to God's ears wherever those are. I imagine people have always approached prayer that way. I mean, we're talking about addressing God, after all. But that's not at all how Jesus prayed. Jesus spoke to God the way a child speaks to a parent, even using the word Abba, a familiar term, like Papa or Daddy. It's intimate, affectionate language, not the way you would talk to some impersonal, distant, transcendent being, but to a parent at the breakfast table. When he taught his disciples to pray, the prayer started with, Our Father. And Paul says that's the way we are meant to talk to God as well. We too talk to God as Abba, he said just a little earlier in this same chapter. The Spirit makes it possible for us to speak to God with that same kind of closeness, that same familiarity. Very near the heart of Christian prayer, says Rowan Williams, is getting over the idea that God is somewhere a very, very long way off so that we have to shout very loudly to be heard. On the contrary, God has decided to be an intimate friend and has decided to make us part of God's family. And we always pray on that basis. So when Paul says we don't know how to pray as we ought, maybe that's also something of what he means. That we think of God as way too far off when in reality, God is right where we are, inviting us to speak with the gentle closeness and trust of a child addressing a parent. I think all that could be part of it. But maybe most of all, I think Paul means that we don't know how to pray because we think of prayer as something we do rather than as something God does in us. You notice that here? When Paul says that we don't know how to pray, you might expect that he would follow that up with, so I'm going to tell you how. Here are my six simple steps to effective prayer. But he doesn't do that at all. Instead, he describes this relationship of incredible mystery and beauty. While we stand in the middle of this groaning creation, not knowing the words to pray as we ought, we find the Spirit is already doing it for us, Paul says. The Spirit is groaning along with the creation in sighs too deep for words, expressing the needs that we see and feel, 
carrying the longings all around, straight to the heart of God. We may not know how to pray, but that's all right. God has this covered. All this means that prayer isn't finally about skills or techniques, about how perfect our words are or how persistent our asking is or how loudly we cry out. At the center of prayer is the spirit of God's love already praying in and for us. So now wait a minute, you may very well be saying, if prayer isn't finally something we do, then are we still supposed to sit down and open our mouths and speak and listen? Yes, absolutely. Paul is a big believer in prayer. In another of his letters, he instructs his listeners not just to pray when they feel like it, but to pray without ceasing. But I think there's an invitation here to think somewhat differently about what's happening when we pray. Rowan Williams puts it this way. The essence of prayer as the New Testament presents it is to let Jesus pray in you and take you into the very heart of God the Father. I know that's hard to get our minds around. But maybe when you sit down to pray, you can imagine that you're not sort of picking up the phone to make a really long distance call out into space. Maybe instead you could think of prayer as settling into a relationship that's already in progress. It's like walking into a house where love is simply in the air, where people are taking joy in one another and paying attention to what each has to say and drawing one another out. Even if you're feeling grumpy, even if you've had a bad day, stepping into a room like that can do something to you. It can relax what's constricted in your spirit. It can loose your hold on your hurts. You might even find your self-centeredness slipping away as you relax into that gracious space. Prayer, as Paul presents it, is a little bit like that. It's not so much something we do as something we allow to be done in us. At the heart of God is a loving relationship that includes us, and prayer is about settling into that relationship and allowing it to be at work in our lives. We don't really know how to pray, but that's all right. We keep coming back to it anyhow, with the assurance that the Spirit searches the heart and speaks what needs to be said. That God is as near, as present, as approachable as a mother. That Jesus intercedes for us. In this unbreakable web of grace in which we are held, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Amen.